so I would like to welcome everyone to uh, this panel that is going to focus on SWIP finance. Uh, SWIP finance access to uh, capital is one of the most critical topics. And, uh, you know, with shipping being a capital intensive industry, this is one of the backbones of the industry. And um, we will discuss about traditional bank finance, bank lending, alternative finance. Um, I'd like to thank uh, John Imhoff from Better Price for being with us and moderating this panel. Shreyas from City, Philip from Berenberg, Evan from CIT, Nino from Haven, and uh, Christos uh, from DNB. Without any further delay, thank you to everybody. And uh, John, the floor is yours. Yeah, I, I'm John Imhoff. I'm a shareholder and a member of the global transportation finance team at uh, Better Price in New York. Uh, it's a law firm that has offices in the United States, London, and Singapore. Um, I had planned to um, allow each of the uh, panelists to sort of introduce themselves. Maybe we can spend spend a little time doing that. Um, Shreyas, you're first alphabetically, so tell us a little bit about you. All, all of you are well known, um, and all of you know all of your institutions are very well known. But I thought it'd be nice to allow people hear oh, directly from you. So Shreyas, please tell us a little bit about what you do at City. Thanks, John. <clears throat> well, thank you. Uh, thank you for this opportunity. Um, I'm, I'm the global head of the shipping business at City. Um, I took the job over from Michael Parker about 18 months ago. And uh, bam, right into the uh, COVID crisis, which uh, luckily for us didn't turn out to be that bad for shipping. Um, City has, 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 has its roots actually in, in the shipping world as it was created 200 plus years ago as a shipping bank, actually. Uh, by a bunch of New York traders who wanted to have a shipping line between New York and Liverpool. And not many people know that. It was called the Black Ball Line, um, and it was one of the first line services uh, in the world. And um, in the modern era, last 50, 60 years, City has been very active in shipping. And, um, and today we are uh, nowhere near the top in terms of lending, but we have a global machine that serves uh, clients around the world. And um, and uh, it's uh, it's uh, with great pleasure that I'm here to talk to you today. Thank you. Thank you, Evan. Please tell us about uh, CIT. Thank and you. Your, your job there. Thanks, John. Uh, for the past two and a half years, I've led the CIT maritime lending business. Uh, before that, for my sins, I spent two and a half decades working for uh, ship owners, uh, for DBB, and uh, some other finance institutions. Um, the past two and a half years, we've reestablished CIT uh, with a solid senior lending platform for the maritime business. We have a, a good team put together. We've done about a billion dollars worth of loans the past two and a half years. So we're very pleased with how the business is progressing. Great. Uh, Nino, please tell us a little. You're, you're coming at this uh, panel from a slightly different perspective. Tell us about uh, yourself and Hafen Capital. Yeah, I think that's right. So um, uh, Hafen is a credit platform or credit fund based in London. We have uh, north of $20 billion uh, assets under management. It's a generalist shop, but there are two dedicated uh, industry specific teams within Hafen, one of which is on the healthcare side of things. And then the other is the shipping desk uh, and from the shipping team, we've invested more than two and a half billion dollars uh, into the industry across the capital structure. So 
um, many of us will wear uh, different hats uh, on a day-to-day -day basis, um, both from direct first lien secured lending, bank replacement type capital is what we would refer to it as, uh, and then also outright vessel ownership um, on a standalone equity basis, uh, where today we also, through different uh, more opportunistic sleeves of capital, own uh, north of 40 vessels. Um, so definitely coming at this from a slightly different perspective, but the backbone is uh, very much uh, direct lending on a senior secured basis. And through that lens, we have worked with many of the other participants on the panel today and most all of the mainstream um, uh, active ship finance institutions out there. So it's a pleasure to be a part of the panel. Thank you, Nino. Oh, Christos, uh, everyone knows DNB. Tell us about uh, what, D what DNB is doing these days and what, what your role is. Thank you, John. Um, I have been heading the shipping group globally for DNB for the last four years. I was running Asia for the bank before that, and uh, I was running our business in Greece uh, even before that. Uh, everyone knows DNB. I mean, our presence in shipping has been, uh, you know, well recorded, you know, the past decades, uh, mainly on the lending side. We are also extremely active on the capital market side, um, advising across the capital structure. Um, what we have been up to, I mean, it is, uh, ship financing and shipping is general, in general is changing in, in very fundamental ways. And I'm sure we're gonna to touch upon it during the panel, but you know, we have been very busy trying to figure out how our business gets disrupted, how it changes, what role do financial institutions play in energy transition. So it's, it's been busy times for banks and for us in particular. Great, thank, thank you. you. And, and uh, Philip, please tell us about Berenberg, of course. People know Berenberg, but go ahead and tell us uh, your role. Yeah, thank you. Um, hi, everybody. Uh, 20 years in, in, in shipping, uh, survived a, a big shipping crisis of a decade, and six years with Berenberg now, responsible for the shipping business there. As you know, Berenberg is uh, yeah, probably 250 years in shipping, and uh, uh, we are a shipping bank today uh, with 30, roughly 30 people working for, for, for the team, very dedicated to the industry, and uh, being positioning ourselves between uh, being a bank, uh, a shipping bank, servicing uh, clients all over the world in, in banking, and uh, the other side being a, a kind of asset management uh, service for uh, investors who uh, are interested to, to, to see shipping debt as an alternative asset class. So positioning ourselves probably a bit between the more traditional banks here on the panel and, and uh, what Nino just, just mentioned, and uh, happy to discuss this further with you. Now, let's just get right into it, because I think one of the big questions raised by both Christos and, and Philip, you touched on this, you know, Philip, uh, shipping has been through some changes. What is the current state of shipping and shipping finance these days? What sectors look good? What, where are the challenges? Uh, where are we in the bigger macro cycle? Mm. Uh, go ahead, Philip. Yeah, so thank you. Um, 
uh, I think um, it's an interesting question at this point in time, because at least how we see it, we, we come out of a decade of uh, debt restructuring, as everybody knows, with a lot of uh, very bad headlines. And uh, this has turned. And I think uh, last year has been a kind of uh, um, um, proof of concept year, as I think um, basically the ship finance uh, went fairly well through the pandemic so far. I haven't seen too much negative headlines on that. And also for us, I can say uh, all, all healthy, all, all solid. And uh, so I think the sentiment has, has changed a bit. We produce uh, ne not, not uh, he negative headlines, but it's a kind of normalization. Uh, uh, so there are um, much uh, fewer players today. Uh, for the traditional chip finance. Uh, and um, uh, there are new players like uh, Hafen and uh, um, Australis, uh, Meerbaum and others uh, coming into the game, the Asian leasing houses. Uh, so everybody knows the, the whole landscape has changed a bit, um, but uh, all over uh, we see or we foresee a period where we uh, can all see, let's say a decent market for ship finance, where uh, on the one hand, you have relatively conservative structures still, uh, a good, uh, good return uh, profile, uh, at the same time um, with, with the markets as they are, uh, uh, let's say po positive uh, background from the industry. So interesting times, at least. Anybody have, anybody have any thoughts on that? I mean, is, is Philip right? Yeah, I think Philip's right. I think uh, I just add to that, I think, we are at a, at a seminal moment in the evolution of the maritime finance space. Um, if you look at what needs to happen, if, if you embrace ESG, right? We're gonna talk about this later, I guess, in more detail, but if you embrace ESG and you realize the challenge that stands in front of us in, in how much you need to get done in a very short period of time, then there is a definite a significant amount of pressure on the, on the maritime community to renew its fleet or to retrofit its fleet. And the money has to come from somewhere to do that. So I'm actually quite optimistic about the next 10 years as to how our industry will evolve to meet those challenges, whether it's getting money from the capital markets or evolving new ways of financing, it's all waiting for us. So I'm gonna come back to that topic. Hopefully we have time to explore a little bit more what's coming down the, coming down the road for, for shipping finance. Does anybody else have any comments on you know, where we are? Yeah. And... Go ahead. Yeah, I, I, I think um, Surya's put it put it very nicely. I mean, shipping is a very uh, ship financing is a is an ever changing landscape. Cyclicality is one thing, and you know we are all used to that, and you know we can uh, navigate it with uh, various degrees of success. But we are all standing, so we've done a decent job at that. Uh, but we have been thrown a lot of uh, new challenges in recent years. You know, we have the regulatory challenges, uh, which again, it's something that uh, is very well within our tra training and the level of competence. But what we see now as a big trend is ESG. And what we are being asked to assess with ESG is technology risk, is execution risk, is performance risk, which are things that fall outside the traditional scope of, of banks. So we are all forcing ourselves to educate very quickly. Uh, you know, there is gonna be tremendous demand for capital uh, in order to 
support the energy transition. And you know, we need to be there. We need to be there in a responsible way. And we need to be there, you know, with a credit hat as well to make sure, you know, we make it happen. So a lot of homework for us uh, yeah. in, the, in, in, in the recent months and, uh, and weeks, I would say. And I suppose, Christos, isn't that why it might be fair to say that this is an industry, a market, a sector where from a financing, from a lending perspective, you can still actually drive some pretty attractive risk adjusted returns on a first lien basis as a lender. Meaning if you compare bank finance, plain vanilla ship finance to the broader credit markets, I think that you're experiencing in broader credit markets a race to the bottom, incredibly tight spreads, loose covenants, picks, pick toggles. Whereas mm -hmm. when you look at shipping, I think it's fair to say that the barrier to entry, both from an owner perspective and a lending perspective, from technology, from the challenges that we're faced with, from, the, as Philip mentioned, the decade that we've all been through and who's left standing and the bulge bracket banks like yourself, uh, like City. Uh, focused on maybe the more blue chip oriented uh, corporates out there, juxtaposed with maybe CIT and Berenberg. Nicholas always does a good job of pulling together the different perspectives of the panels. Um, and that's exactly why you're still able in this market to carve out your own space and drive those risk adjusted returns. I don't think it's the same with, with many other hard asset industries and certainly not in the broader credit markets. Uh, I, 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 I agree and I disagree with that. Um, I mean, I think, you know, with the regulatory pressure that, you know, we are all facing, it's extremely difficult to make a good return on, you know, plain vanilla senior debt. Uh, there is, especially for the, you know, blue chip names, as you, as you call them, um, it, it's very, very hard. Uh, fortunately, uh, shipping companies are transforming, though. Their needs are changing. They're becoming much more sophisticated. They access different pockets of capital. They need advice on, uh, on a number of, of fronts. And I think if you, if you have a business model that combines lending or can provide lending to enable capital markets transaction or to facilitate capital market transactions, then you can have a sustainable business model. You can help your clients differentiate themselves and you can make a return that justifies the risks that you, that you make. But you know, if, if you look at lending solely by itself, it's, it's a tough nut to crack with all the regulations uh, which are creeping up on the, on the business. I'd, I'd like to move on to different topics, but I think we've covered a lot of questions that I had. Um, I'd be curious to hear how, you know, who do you think your competition is these days and how do you distinguish yourself from that competition and from each other? Evan, do you want to take that one? You're on mute, Evan. <laughs> the competition has, has turned off the mics. <laughs> I, you know, it's interesting. I don't find lending, okay, it will have the challenges, but I don't find lending today especially challenging. Uh, why? We all have to convince our credit committees, our investors, is it the right time to put capital to work? We're at a time where we've come through 10, a decade, a poor decade. We're now at the bottom half of the value curve. So values for the standard assets, at least, are attractive. The new building books are not through the roof. Um, so there is good business to do as a senior lender. Now, the other good news is there isn't, aren't that many players, okay? If you ignore the race to the bottom, uh, as Shreyas implied, and you, and you talk about the, uh, the people who can provide the senior debt, the 50 to 60% senior debt, uh, a 
Berenberg, CIT, uh, Hamburg Commercial Bank, Macquarie. Uh, yes, there's, there's a, a dozen. We work with all of them. So we work with everybody on this panel. We work with our fellow senior lenders because there is some lack of capital out there. So it's a good market. I agree on that, uh, absolutely. And I think that the, the challenge we see here is, uh, and, and I think this is maybe for the bigger institutions, but for all of us in the end, to get this transfer to the next generation of vessels to the new technologies done and to get it right. Yeah, I think the, the, to finance secondhand vessels for now is, uh, is very attractive from many points. We mentioned that already. Um, at the same time, we all feel, be it from the regulator, but, but even more maybe from the investor side, and I would guess that the US will pick up in this respect, uh, we will see pressure uh, um, coming up on that uh, uh, and uh, forcing us into uh, justifying uh, financing uh, secondhand tonnage, which we think is still something which is valid and, uh, and, and important because it's still for the time being and for the next five to 10 years, it's critical infrastructure. So we should finance it. At the same time, the regulator pushes into the next generation. So I think this challenge will, will, will be for all of us. Uh, but uh, I, otherwise, I agree with Evan. Well, where do where do where does the panel see what what does the panel see as the biggest challenge? And we touched on it a little bit. Uh, biggest challenge and biggest opportunity for shipping in the near term. I mean, we, we've talked about ESG. There's going to have to be a lot of change in shipping, and that will certainly affect financing. But there are other things out there as well. I'm curious what you think, uh, Shreyas. Please tell us what you think. Thanks, John. Well, for the for the shipping finance, uh, specific shipping finance community, I think the biggest challenge is going to be where to find the capital to fund the energy transition. Um, and in that, I don't include the new assets that maritime that the maritime world will develop as we as we go down that path. I'm talking about just the stuff that's on the water. And I think Philip's point was very well made which is that you know if you're going to finance uh, if you want to finance older ships because it makes sense to do so but your regulator disagrees with you i think you have a fundamental problem on on how you're going to distribute your capital and of course evan and, and you know nino can can come and solve that problem a little bit maybe more freely than than we can um, but that that is the core challenge i think the 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 number of banks has has shrunk uh, the the thank goodness you know the rise of the alternative lenders uh, has happened. That's that's great. But I think overall the pie is still small in terms of how much capital is available to shipping. And I think shipping itself is a very small part of big banks' overall portfolio. So as important as shipping is to the world in terms of what it does for the global economy, I don't think it earns the respect and the attention it deserves uh, commensurate to that. Anyone else have, I mean, we have a big fuel transition coming up. Um, and, and that how how is the how how is finance going to have to adapt to, uh, to to deal with that? I mean, I think we spoke about it, uh, Shreyas, before with the retrofitting, and you, you just mentioned new new buildings that will co come in that are more sustainable. Um, but anybody else have any thoughts about oh, you know the big changes that are coming to the industry and the and the effect that's going to have on 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 finance? Maybe I can I can chip in here. Uh, I mean, everybody knows that uh, shipping is the most efficient or energy efficient way of transporting goods from one 
point to the other. I think that that is undisputed. The problem that shipping has is, you know, in this ESG conscious society that we live in, and for a very good reason, you know, you look at pictures of how ships get uh, scrapped. You look at, you know, the exhaust coming out of a, of a funnel and all of a sudden it's a dirty industry and uh, investors or shareholders do not want to put capital in it. I think the very big challenge for us is to show that, you know, we are very active in the energy transition, that the industry takes this extremely seriously. And, you know, I, I see especially, you know, from some of the bigger companies, a very, very responsible behavior uh, about, you know, the position they want to take in energy transition, the way they approach scrapping. And this makes it much easier for banks like ourselves to also make capital available for these, uh, these players. That is, that is extremely, uh, extremely important. And it has to do uh, with the image of the industry, but also with the reality um, that, um, that, that we are facing. Now, how is the capital going to be raised? We are talking about, you know, a lot of money that needs to come for retrofits, a lot of money that needs to come uh, for new, uh, new technologies. I think there needs to be collaboration across stakeholders here. I, I don't think you can have you know, a senior bank coming in like it used to in the past, 70% financing. I financed the first you know, methanol or ammonia around VLCC. Next, there has to be contribution from a number of players be it the yards, be it the charters, be it the owners, um, to make sure that the spread, the, the risk is spread appropriately uh, and structured in a, in, a, in a right way. So this is where I see the challenge for, for banks um, and for financing shipping going forward. Okay, okay. Anybody have any other thoughts on that? I think, I think that's exactly right. And I suppose when you think through it, it really is in many ways the responsibility of the end users and the charterers to step up to the plate and absorb a big part of the responsibility to provide the uh, necessary economic incentives uh, around that new technology. I mean, obviously the new vessels and the, and the new technology um, that's needed are going to be incredibly competitive relative to the older tonnage on the water. Um, but as a function of that, they're also going to be more costly and capital needs to be rewarded appropriately. And as a function of that, you're going to need long, some form of longer, long, longer offtake contracts. I suppose you could draw a parallel with the, um, with the, um, uh, the burgeoning phases of the LNG market uh, that has now evolved to a more shorter term spot, although albeit still evolving uh, market. Um, to, to, to provide the logical incentives for owners to put the capital at risk. And, um, and, and it's a, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy in that, in that respect. Otherwise, then you're just basically stepping back and saying that it all becomes speculative. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So as you mentioned, um, one of you mentioned the shipyards, uh, you're talking vendor financing in that sort of situation and probably state-backed vendor financing. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's not necessarily, it's not, you know, vendor financing alone. It's potentially expo credit financing, you know, yeah. when it comes to, you know, nations that, you know, are shipbuilding nations, they have the know-how. There just needs to be a pooling from all, all, all directions to really make this happen because the cost is high, the technology is uncertain, the risks are different to what, you know, we are used to assessing 
you know, day to day. Uh, so, so it has to be a collaborative, a collaborative effort for, for, for sure. Mm. What, what, is, what has been the impact of COVID on shipping? In the beginning, I recall that uh, there was a lot of uh, ships being turned away from U.S. ports because uh, there wasn't enough infrastructure or people at the ports to handle it. But that seems to have gone away. And what I'm now hearing about is an expansion in, in um, the demand for con uh, containers and, and, and container ships. Do you see anything else coming from, from COVID or as, as it hopefully goes away? Or um, ha has the industry learned anything from that? I think, as I, as I pointed out, um, it is still this proof of concept, which we, I think, needed for a while. And I think uh, you mentioned the container market. Uh, it's a good example for, for something which went right last year. And for the first time since very long, the industry showed a very disciplined approach to a problem. And uh, the, the answer of the container industry, the liner industry, was right to, to be disciplined on capacity and many other things. So what we see as a result today is that companies like Hapak or uh, Maersk are publishing uh, uh, tremendous results and we hear very good things and new cash comes into the industry. Uh, capital basically comes into the industry uh, through the liners and they are uh, now able to uh, disperse this capital allocated further into the charter tramp owners and, 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 and the other areas to invest into new technologies. We have seen some, some, uh, some announcements from Maersk and, 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 and others. So I think this is something where we have a very positive example, which COVID uh, um, produce, produced uh, in, in a way. And we see that this is also um, turning to be taken or, um, by the investor side. So the community is looking at shipping and the sentiment, at least how we see it, and we talk to investors every day, uh, this is something they, they have noticed. And uh, in comparing to always in comparison to other industries, shipping did better this time. Hmm. Sure. I, also find it, I also find it very interesting, the reminder of back to basics. So all of a sudden you're reminded of how well owners are positioned for a dry dock. Or if they planned ahead enough, if they can't move their crew on or off, when are they gonna be able to do the night next dry dock? And are, your, are the bankers on your team prepared for that? Um, if you're relying on a sale of an asset or purchase of an asset to make a transaction happen. Well, if that gets delayed six months because of COVID and you can't move crew, are you prepared for that? So it's, it was a nice reminder and it was good to see how the lending teams and the owner teams worked on that. Mm. It was a nice surprise. It's interesting, isn't it, John? I mean, look, I think, I think what COVID has done is that for the first time in a long time, we can all actually kind of agree that there is a lot of pent up demand for things and experiences in the world. So people are projecting growth. At the same time, the order book is very low. There is a lot of supply demand, um, let's say strength, uh, control of capacity in the shipping lines. So all of this put together should tell you that the next few years should be very positive for shipping, generally, right? It's, it's also about policy, right? I mean, it's also about, I mean, if you compare it to Lehman Brothers 2009, that, that was a financial um, crisis that needed policy driven around stability 
And in large part, that policy sat on the balance sheets of large banks and benefited the wealthy and the asset owners. This has been a social crisis that required, that required and requires policy focused on financial need targeted to arguably the lower income households that are more likely to consume that policy, fueling commodity demand, finished good demand, et cetera, et cetera. That's a big part of it. And what we've seen from, in many ways, the US government and various European governments through COVID. Hmm. Yeah, it was, it was a crisis of the individual, not the industrial. Uh, you know, that's, that was the difference. Yep. What, uh, thinking beyond the near term, what do you see for shipping and shipping finance? Let's start with shipping in particular. Uh, uh, Shreyas, you had some interesting observations and ideas when we spoke earlier. Tell us what you think, where you think we'll be 30, 40 years from now in shipping. Well, we, we, we're going to be challenged within the next five years, I think, to come up with solutions in the financing space for assets that not, none of us can even dream of right now. You know, mm. if somebody wanted to turn a drill ship into a geothermal power producer offshore, you know, Scotland, do you think anybody's going to do you think anybody's going to finance that? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think we have the we have the, I don't think we have the tools. And it took us about thirty years to get those tools in place in shipping where you got used to the, the charter construct, you got used to liquidity, you got used to secure financing, you got used to the off-taker, you got used to the yard skills. We don't have the luxury of that much time this time with new energy assets. The energy transition is going to come at us like a, like a freight train and we all have to be ready to find ways to solve it. So my view is that without government support, Without 100% wraps from ECAs around the world, whoever wants to build uh, energy transition assets, it won't get done because mm. we just don't have the tools within the banking community to assess those kinds of risks. I'm happy to hear a debate on that. What, what about um, the finance industry? I mean, what are the challenges or threats and opportunities there? So we have one question about the digi digitization of shipping finance. How will the digitization impact shipping finance if shipping assets are made more liquid? Will lending appetite change? Yeah. I, I think uh, digitalization is definitely a disruption, but we have uh, much more pressing uh, issues that we have to deal with you know, straight, straight away. And Sharia's touched upon it. I think we need to figure out you know, what happens with stranded asset risk across uh, traditional uh, asset classes that we have all been very uh, comfortable financing in the past. What value do we put? How do we exit? How long does it take? Uh, this is this is a very burning issue that, that we need to we need to answer. New technologies, yes, this is, and I think she just hit the nail on the head. Things are moving very very fast. Uh, you know, it's it, it's tremendous momentum, and you know we we are asked to come up with answers. Um, you know, overnight to questions that you know we we, ha we haven't you know even 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 thought of uh, about risks that you know we have not, as I said before, we have not traditionally assessed. You know, technology. You know, understanding the technologies, uh, understanding you know availability of fuel, understanding the logistics around you know, around the business. So it's 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 a lot of factors that are transforming uh, the industry. When it comes to digitalization, just to, so that uh, I'm, not, I'm not avoiding the question, I think it's definitely a disruption. 
the, the challenge with shipping is that most of the facilities are extremely custom made depending on the employment, the type of the ship, the you know credit risk of the owner. It's not a cookie cutter type of business. So while I, I don't think that this is a you know a barrier which means it will never be disrupted, I think you know it will take some time because of the peculiarities you know of, of, of each transaction uh, in, in the in the industry. That's that's my feel on the on the digital threat. But uh, the stranded asset risk, the new technologies, these are imminent issues we need to consider and, and find solutions for. Maybe one, one point to add on that um, with regard to small, medium-sized owners, but also with regard to ship finance for those owners, which we still think is, is part of uh, important part of, of the industry, at least for now, uh, facing a lot of challenges, obviously, with ESG and, and so on going forward. But still, this, this industry lives off these small and medium-sized owners. And uh, in order to serve those owners in the future as a bank, we need to standardize certain things. And uh, so I, I would say there is a healthy competition, not competition maybe, but healthy startup culture uh, with regard to digitalization of, of credit processes and offering lending through intelligent tools today. This has not been in the market successfully um, positioned, but I think, uh, um, and sorry to say for those who, who had the ideas, but I think we as, as traditional banks will take these ideas and integrate it in our processes and become more digitalized. And that might help uh, for still providing smaller volume loans, for example, uh, in a flexible but relatively fast and standardized way. So it can help the industry in that respect. That's one, one aspect, obviously, only, but, but one to mention maybe here. John, I, and I think Philip's right, but I think that that must be enough question from a ship owner looking how to get his banks or senior lenders more efficient. And it, it will make it more efficient for the small and medium-sized owners, but the core issue is there's not enough senior debt capital out there. Now then, yeah. the question, then the question is, is the next, is the capital going to come from banks like CIT or Berenberg, or is it going to be coming from uh, debt platforms like uh, Haven? Uh, I suspect if I was starting fresh, I would go form a debt platform and not a new bank just because of the regulations my colleagues were talking about. I think that'll be the solution to the what the owner was uh, driving at. John, you're on mute. We get to hear it twice. You're on you're mute. mute John. You're, you're on mute, John. Nice One member in the audience asked, where do, where do you think about tankers are going, giving the context of uh, transitioning away from the eventual transition away from uh, from petroleum based uh, fuels I don't think we're I don't think we're going to get away from tankers uh, maybe there'll be fewer tankers maybe the routes will change maybe um, you know uh, the price at which oil is sold changes but uh, the amount of oil certainly will go down but we're not going to go to zero anytime in our in the next two three generations we still have tanker business. And, and, um, I mean, in, in the short term, there should be, you know, good, good given the order book and given the supply and demand dynamics, there should be very good market for tankers. You know, more in the medium term, as you know, oil becomes less less popular or it's substituted, 
it, it, it's a bigger challenge and uh, a bigger problem to solve. But but I, I don't think yeah you know the, the the asset class is disappearing anytime soon for sure. Mm. Mm. Um, an, another question coming in. Uh, we've seen a geographically finance move around the globe. Uh, most recently, you know, with the entrance of uh, the Chinese banks and Chinese leasing companies. Do you think they'll continue to grow? Will, the, will finance move to other areas, India perhaps, or uh, uh, where do you see the next big ship finance center? I, I suppose I'll, I'll weigh in. I'm not sure if I'm gonna answer that question directly. I don't know where the next ship finance center is, but maybe just response to Philip and Evan that I maybe view it slightly differently and fairly so because my cost of capital is different. My product offering is different. We're not a bank, um, uh, but I think it's ruthlessly competitive out there from a lender's perspective. I think that there's arguably a more than enough uh, first lien debt out there to go around for the right projects. I think that if you look back the last 10, 20 years, ship owners had a fabulous ride with banks absorbing uh, a disproportionate share of the risk strip and not getting paid for it. Uh, and I think that today, when you look at the environment, uh, things, the dust seems to have settled and we're in an environment where actually lenders are able to, again, coming back to my earlier comment, drive pretty sensible risk-adjusted returns for an industry that is uncertain. And I, I think that when you, when you look at the markets today, um, they're very well positioned. All of the uncertainty we talked around about technology, propulsion, ESG, regulatory frameworks, bank regulatory capital constraints, that's been fabulous for the industry and where we sit today when you look at markets and how we've emerged from COVID. And I think that things are setting up for a very interesting decade. I think that the comments been made that people see um, opportunity, that people are positive both from an equity and from a debt side. And that will only result in one thing, which is it will attract institutional capital. It will grow platforms. Consolidation will hopefully cease to become a buzzword and morph into some form of reality. Philip, you talked about the marginal ship owner who in many respects is slipping through the cracks. Um, I think that they will always play a role. Uh, having said that, I think the, the burden and the complexity of this industry, as has already been talked about, is only increasing. Um, and, and it needs to, um, simply because of the challenges that lie ahead. Uh, so I didn't really answer your question, John, I apologize. <laughs> but uh, but Anybody I don't- Anybody have thoughts on what Nino just said? No, I, actually, I'm gonna answer your question, John. I think the future of uh, ship finance is online. That's, I don't know if it's a geography, but I think it's online. And I think we are maybe a couple of years, three years away from a crowdfunded ship. All you need is a lawyer, a security agent, and a, and a regulated website, and off you go, right? I mean, it's going to happen at some point. Um, maybe other asset classes before ships, but it, it's, it's, it's certainly uh, the writing on the wall in terms of how technology is evolving and how we are becoming more standardized. And to Philip's point, more modular, right? More, more, more standardized elements within ship finance. And I hope we do it because we need new capital. We need new people to lend. Are you are you talking uh, a retail investor or making you know, crowdfunding? Potentially retail, yeah. Potentially retail investors. Hmm. So the world is ready for uh, individuals making uh, parts of shipping loans. 
Look, look what Reddit did to GME. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, anybody else have anything on that topic? Where, what about governments? I mean, there's always been some discussion about uh, more ECA financing, uh, that pr providing an important part of the uh, you know, capital stack. Um, uh, is, do you see more, a bigger role or a smaller role for government in ship finance? I think there's, uh, at least for, for Europe, there's no big, uh, let's say, support, political support for putting uh, big time um, subsidies, money, capital at work from the government side into the shipping industry, which is still a remote industry, which you cannot touch on and where you don't get uh, uh, your election uh, won. Yeah? So I think still, it remains a very important question for the Western world, so to say, to answer that question uh, right, because we need that support probably in the industry for, for getting, getting the transfer of t t technologies. But at the same time, it's, it's also a competition of, of, uh, of uh, areas. Yeah? So we see a regional competition with aging capital being subsidized dramatically. And uh, we have to answer that question whether we want to accept that. That's a, we, I mean, the Western world in a way, um, uh, to, to an extent, uh, uh, this, is, this is an unanswered question. And I hope, like, like Nino put it, that uh, we don't make the mistake to, to spoil the whole industry uh, by, by just uh, government-backed uh, um, capital uh, and uh, shying away investors who need a certain return for their, for their cost of capital. And uh, uh, if we don't get this, this done in a, in a right way, then, then I think uh, we, we really face that problem, what, what we all described here in the last 30 minutes or so. Mm. I, I think there will be government capital coming in, but not necessarily supporting the ships themselves or the owners themselves because of the jurisdictions and the nature of shipping, you probably will have some sort of intervention or support on the end users facilitating uh, energy transition. And you know, through that, indirectly, you will get support for, 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 the, for the ship owner in the, in the transition and, and also to the yards. I think you know, that is also tangible, but when it comes to the shipping companies themselves and the vessels themselves, by the nature of the trades and by the nature of where they are incorporated, Pretty difficult, I would, I would guess. Well, we're almost out of time. Um, uh, any final thoughts from the panel? We have about three minutes, two minutes left. Um, and uh, if you have any last words to toss in uh, for the end of the panel, let, please, now's the chance. Well, I was just on that, Christos, isn't it fair to say, I mean, obviously from your perspective, that banks and certain banks in particular are under immense pressure from uh, governments to essentially extol the virtues of a particular risk framework, whether it be, I mean, I'm, I'm talking about your, your bank in particular around um, uh, regulation of uh, vessel recycling, um, emissions programs, et cetera, et cetera. And, and the risk frameworks and pricing uh, methodologies that go into uh, transaction analysis. I'm gonna have to stop. Unfortunately, we're out of time. Uh, I would like to thank each one of you, Shreyas, uh, Evan, Nino, also, Christos and Philip for, for joining us on this panel. Also, like to thank um, you know, Capital Inc. and uh, Nicholas and his team. Thank you so much. It's been a it's been a real interesting discussion. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you.